Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hello, I'm Susan Violante. I'm your host for today. I'm really excited to be speaking on the phone with Eben Mishkin, author of The Hidden and the Maiden, a unique urban fantasy which combines a complex plot, depth, and colorful characters taking readers on a roller coaster ride through this exceptional debut novel. But before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Eben. Even Mishkin is a gentleman and a scholar who has devoted his life to the study of story and the accumulation of trivia. He holds many degrees, but is most proud of his master's in the teaching and practices of creative writing from the University of Wales, Cardiff. He enjoys role-playing games and casually wielding forbidding knowledge. Mishkin is married to a very talented artist who was kind enough to do all the artwork for his debut novel. For more information on Even and his book, visit his website at www.evenmishkin.com and his blog at www.emptymanuscript.tumblr.com. Hi, Even. How are you doing today? All right. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. I am so happy that um, to talk to you today because our reviewer, uh, Paige Lovett, loved your book. She couldn't stop talking about it. And so um, to have you here, I'm up fan of fantasy, especially urban fantasy, so I, I really want to know as much as I can about you and your book so that I can go and check it out myself. Uh, for our listeners, this is again Even um, Mishkin, the author of The Hating and the Maiden. Even, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I sort of have always wanted to be a creative writer, so I got a my education in it and started going to writing conferences when I was 16 and have pretty much always been writing fantasy. And, you know, I, I finally ended up uh, going to Wales to go to graduate school for teaching creative writing and creative writing itself. And that gave me a lot of insight into the craft. And so I like talking about that and like practicing it. And that is a good portion of my life, actually. <laughs> no, it's not, because I checked your website. <laughs> and I know exactly in your blog, and uh, listeners, you can check him out also at evenmishkin.com, and that is E-B-E-N-M-I-S-H-K-I-N.com. And um, also on your Tumblr, emptymanuscript.tumblr.com. I actually... Want to hear a little bit about uh, some tips that you can give us fantasy uh, lovers if you know maybe we want to go into writing and have no experience in creative writing. <laughs> um, where do we start? Give us some tips because your um, uh, writing, according to Paige, was impeccable. So I really uh, want to hear some tips from you. Thank you, and, and thank you to Paige for. The impeccable <laughs> writing. I I did get I I did get a lot of help in in the editing department. My my grammar is is not so good in the first go round. Um, but my my biggest tip, honestly, is that a lot of writing advice starts very small and picayune about okay, what's your character's hair color? What's you know, what's their job, and it's actually not what gets you the best characters. Mm -hmm. You know, if you really want to write, I find what's the most helpful to know is to know what your characters really want, like deep down, what's their deepest need, 
and deep down, what is it that they are most afraid of? And what really makes them tick is you put one versus the other so that they have to face their fear in order to get what they want. And that not only gives you a really good character, that ends up telling you what your plot needs to be. Uh, that's awesome that you're saying that and that um, you're a character-driven writer because um, one of the uh, intriguing facts about your book that I really wanted to check out was this goes with multiple personalities that reflected their moods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, how, you know, I mean, how did you come up with that? <laughs> Never heard anything like that. Um, it's, it sort of there, there was a really long evolution for all all the characters, and they all started out much much simpler. Um, JJ really began as a notation on Zephyr that just said haunted, and that was it. Um, <laughs> and she really kind of evolved as I wrote her and figured out, okay, well, you know. You know, I know kind of what she is, but I've got no idea, you know, okay, what does she want? What is she, what is she afraid of? And it kind of eventually is like, well, there's the obvious answer is what she really wants is Zephyr, and that gives you what she's really afraid is of losing him. So the idea of multiple personality really came out of the idea that she was in this difficult predicament that she was always struggling with, um wanting and fearing the exact same thing, that in order to get Zephyr, she had to let him go, but Mm. she can't let him go. And sort of that kind of struggle and being so diametrically opposed, even though it's the exact same thing, that kind of ended up suggesting that different personalities wanted different things in different equations as she's trying to get to, to what she wants and that there is no right answer. And so that just kind of gave me the idea of her not just playing off the other characters, but playing off of herself. That's awesome. And um, when when you thought of this, do you think that I've, I've read in your bio that you enjoy role-playing games? Do you think mm-hmm. that uh, this love for those type of games uh, influence, uh, influences your writing when it comes with characters? In the extreme, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all started out as role-playing game characters. So that, that, you know, it, it wasn't just her, that notation on, you know, Zephyr's character sheet. It was, you know, Zephyr's role-playing game character sheet, and it was minus 10 points haunted. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is a pro on playing games. Uh, what would you say there are pros and cons on playing these games and spending so much time with them? I, I, I'm sorry, I, I missed the first part of that question. Can you repeat that? Sure. Uh, you know, you, you said that this influenced your writing when you're talking about characters. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm guessing this is a good thing about gaming. I'm wondering yeah. what pros and cons in your experience you have found of uh, playing games when it comes to writing. Um, the real difficulty for role-playing games is that the goals for sort of a novel way of telling a story and a a game way of telling a story, the goals are somewhat different. Mm -hmm. So you have to move in somewhat different directions. Um, You know, there's always the, in 
role-playing games, there's always sort of this balance of making the players feel challenged while at the same time giving them what they want. Mm -hmm. And in books, it's very much, yes, about getting challenged, but it's about, you know, pouring on the pain on the characters, really. (laughs) Um, You know, but honestly, I feel the skill that role-playing games really taught me is to roll with the punches, that, you know, whatever you prepare for, your players are going to do something entirely different. And what I got very good at was just rolling with what they would do instead of trying to get them back on track. I was like, okay, that's better. I'm just going to run with that. And I think that skill ended up really translating very well into novel writing that I would come up with a different idea or someone would make a suggestion and I would go, oh, that's actually much better instead of me trying to incorporate that into the text as I already have it envisioned. Let's change the whole text and run with that instead and see where that goes. And that improvisational ability, I think, ends up helping me a lot. Yeah, that's very interesting because I find that in my own writing, and I write historical fiction, by the way, even though that I read fantasy (laughs) Go figure. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, I, I, I do find that um, uh, playing games did help me improvise and go where the characters are taking me. Because uh, when you're writing historical fiction, is um, you tend to ramble and linger into the facts, and you don't know how much you should change and, you know, and be creative with. Um you do. You did mention on your email that um, you enjoy researching um, fantasy and mysticism and bending the reality. So, which one? Uh, I mean, what do you enjoy most of, of doing both things? What What makes you tick when you're doing that? What I really love is finding odd connections. Um, you know, the the sort of title villain of the piece is uh, Kerdiakin, who's the hidden. And researching him was fascinating because he seemed to have been a real deity that was really worshipped. And I love how his mythology evolved. And he, we still have him today. He's pictured everywhere. Um, you know, the Grim Reaper is really defended from his mythology, you know, and the Grim Reaper nowadays is this really, you know, little spirit more than anything else. Yes, he does a really important job, but he's very limited. But as you go back through the mythology, he gets more and more powerful. And what I was just fascinated with is the idea that myths incorporate previous myths and then downgrade what came before. So you go back, and he's this fantastically powerful deity. And, you know, he ends up kind of, you know, somebody who we can draw comics about and make fun of, whereas, you know, it used to be, you know, if you even said his name, he saw you, and you were marked for death and hunted, and you only did it as a last resort. And I just sort of, I love that idea of, the transmission of stories that are still around, but they represent these broad swaths and very different takes on the same things that surround us every day. I do admire that quality of uh, connecting um, 
myths and beliefs and, you know, sometimes religion that you can find in so much urban fantasies nowadays, whether on, on books and TVs, because uh, I don't know where or how you guys are able to do that. And that's the main reason I never tried to uh, write fantasy, even though I love it so much. But um, um, what would you suggest? Uh, I mean, did you work your way to be able to do that? Did you exercise, do exercises, uh, writing exercises? Or is that something that uh, you learn in school, you learn with practice? How how yeah. how difficult is it? It's not as difficult as you you would think, especially nowadays. The internet is just it's full, and you know one of the real advantages for fiction or over or I should say fantasy over like historical fiction or actual history is that there's a little less onus on us to get it exactly right. You just have to be close enough. You know, and in my experience, you know, when people go and research on their own, they'll go to one or two websites and they'll go, oh, okay, that's that's good enough. And, you know, if you go to five to ten, then you're going to know more than most of the people picking up mm-hmm. your book. And for the people who are actually experts, you will never, ever fool them, no matter how much research you do. So, <laughs> you know, it, it kinda, it, it's learning that little that, you know, balance of like, okay, I'm just going to do more research than the average person will do. I, you know, from college and from grad school, yeah, I know the the practicalities of research. You know, you start on Wikipedia. You absolutely do not end on Wikipedia. You know, just those sorts of, you know, research skills just for the same thing of, you know, writing your five-paragraph essay. Yeah. And it just comes across as the same thing. And as long as you're good enough to fool the average person everyone thinks you know it all and that's all you need Inside Scoop Live is a global internet-based broadcast specialized in interviewing published authors about their current books and their areas of expertise Join us and hear both well-known and upcoming writers talking candidly about their life, experience, as well as the business of being an author in today's literary world. Always interesting and current, we strive to bring our audience high-quality discussions that spotlight a vast diversity of authors in the field today. Our interviews are available 24-7 through direct podcasts, as well as MP3 download from your computer for your convenience. Please visit us at InsideScoopLive.com. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Today I'm talking with Evan Mishkin, author of The Hidden and the Maiden. Stay tuned because we are going to continue this fun and inspiring conversation with Evan about creative writing, bending reality, doing research, role-playing games, and so much more. But in the meantime, you can check out The Heating and the Maiden by visiting Evan's website at www.evenmishkin.com, and that is E-B-E-N-M-I-S-H-K-I-N.com, or his blog at www.emptymanuscript.tumblr.com, and that is E-M-P. T-Y-M-A-N-U-S-C 
ript.tumblr.com. It's, so it's, 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 it's one of those um, executive decisions that you make on when how much is, is enough um, when it comes Perfect. to it, yeah. Um, when I was growing up, I, I read a lot of my secondhand books came from my uh, brother, who was a year mm-hmm. and a half older, and he was a um, Stephen King fan and, uh-huh. uh, you know, Robert Ludlum and stuff like that. So yeah. I grew up reading everything that I don't write. And um, yeah, <laughs> now I read more what I like, and uh, I, which is fantasy, and and uh, it's, I still write <laughs> what I don't, read, you know, what I don't read. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm wondering, um, you did say uh, that you were influenced, you know, by uh, somebody that wrote fantasy. So I want to know why um how how did you find um that laurel k hamilton uh influenced your uh writing and do you still read her books i i've actually stopped reading laurel k hamilton um but i think that was as much an influence as reading her mm-hmm. um i i started reading her just after guilty pleasures came out and I ran out to pick up every new book. And I really, I loved her characters. I loved her plots. And it really was like, yes, this is exactly what I want. She was great at melding genres um, and putting all these things together. And she would draw on old myths and then, you know, change everything. And it really was exactly what I wanted. But then... As her books and writing went on, her both I grew up and her writing style started to change. Mm-hmm. And as I became less and less a fan of what she was doing, you know, I started to think more and more. Well, instead of complaining about the fact that I'm not really enjoying the tangent she has chosen, what I could do is write stories that go along the tangent that. I really like. So mm-hmm. taking what I felt was the real heart of her work and sort of running with it. You know, I loved the idea of people who were a little outmatched and were dealing in this mysticism, but at the same time, it's absolutely the real world. I could top on a plane and I can fly to her, St. Louis. And I really appreciated that. And so that's what I tried to that all of this is completely fantastical, but I can hop on a bus and I can drive up to uh, Santa Barbara, which is the majority of where Fire Island actually is, mm-hmm. and you know keep that and keep you know the sexual tension and the romance elements without it overwhelming the the paranormal mystery aspect, which is what I felt happened with her. And so I think her moving in a direction I didn't like was as inspirational to me as all of what she wrote that I did like. And sort of that, I felt, opened up a space for me of like, look, I want to be here. She was kind of here and has now moved over there. So I feel like there's this space for me that I can follow. And I think that really is what prompted me to 
pursue a novel, which I'm not sure that I would have pursued an urban fantasy novel otherwise. Yeah. It's it's interesting how uh, we evolve and kind of emancipate ourselves from our uh, mentors and, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say idols, but, you know, we're a fan of some other authors, of course. Uh, yeah. What does... Um, what what do you read nowadays? Do you read only fantasy? Do you have other types of genres that you enjoy reading? And will you venture in anything else when it comes to writing? I read mostly fantasy. I also read some sci-fi. Um, beyond that, I read the occasional mystery. Um, I don't venture too much beyond that kind of speculative fiction just because I tend not to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's the rare book that I do, but it's very rare. And it's just sort of, I don't venture into it because I do my best to read for enjoyment. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm generally a believer that you should write what you read. So I doubt I will journey much outside of the realm of fantasy and science fiction may be a little mystery, but fantasy and science fiction really does seem to be where my heart is at. It's what yeah. I've been reading since I was a child. I really, in spite of trying to branch out, have not enjoyed it very much, and so I don't see much. I don't see that I can offer anything to yeah. the other genres, so I don't think Well, it, 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 you know, it, it is what it is. We have to write yeah. what we know and, and what we enjoy. And um, I know I know historical fiction, mostly World War II, because of my family growing up during World War II, and yeah. and that's what I write. And I do enjoy reading it, although I don't I don't get the chance because I'm always writing about it. And so when uh-huh. I want to read, I want to get out of what I'm doing. So it's it, you know it's funny how everybody's little brain <laughs> works differently and and what our likes and how we evolve on it. Um, yeah. You also uh, teach or have taught, I don't know if you're still teaching, creative writing? I, I taught very, very briefly. I don't teach anymore unless mm-hmm. I count, uh empty manuscripts. Um, since I do try to write little essays about writing advice and reward watch writing advice, so that's kind of my uh, teaching substitute since uh, teaching jobs are... Um, a little full at the moment. There are a lot of people <laughs> writing. Um, but, you know, the reason I'm asking is because um, I did read somewhere that about when how not, not I want to say not so, um, you were tough actually on your lecturers during grad school. So I wonder yeah. whether you ever found any student <laughs> that kind of reminded you of you. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, Fortunately for me, the the few courses I taught were at the college level and not the, the grad school mm-hmm. level. You know, so you know, I mean, the comment that really stuck with me was one student saying, "You know, I've learned more from two weeks in your class than I've learned in the last two weeks here." <laughs> you know, which is which you can get if it's one of the really early creative writing classes they've had <laughs> and you don't get in grad school because by that time, you know, they've had years and years and, like, you know, this the, my poor lecturer who I almost brought to tears, unfortunately he was teaching a subject that I had already been exposed to and had gotten to the point where, like, I was pounding out uh, rebuttals with my professor <laughs> 
back in college. So by the time he comes around, I've heard everything he said before, and I really challenge him, and he was not quite prepared for that, unfortunately. (laughs) And I do feel a little little badly about that. (laughs) But, um, you know, it it is that inquisition of mind that that will get you uh, to the next level. So I'm sure that in a way... um, you got your professor into another level, <laughs> you know. I, I uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that he now, after the the experience, might even remember you with a little bit more <laughs> gratefulness than <laughs> that at the time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. So um, what I that's exactly you know um, I I brought that in because as a book reviewer and someone that um, you know I manage all the reviewers for read reviews, um, mm-hmm. that's basically what we're doing is being who you were with your lecturers in your grad school, and um, sometimes we have a lot to say that is not what the author wants to read, and we try to always yeah. say it in a nice, respectful, and professional way. But um, as an author who got those types of critiques many times in my critique mm-hmm. groups, because uh, English is not my first language, mm-hmm. so um, that's what it kept me going and trying to be better. And, and so that's why I'm saying your, your professor will probably remember you a little bit more fondly if he took what uh, the challenges that you gave him to get to the next level. And we should never be you know, afraid of getting a, a negative review, and I'm sure that you will never be afraid of it because your first novel um, was raving, or at least with our reviewers, and Paige is not an easy reviewer. So um, what tips can you give um, people that are, you know, just finished their books, their first draft, and they're considering publication and uh, they don't know they're afraid about getting a, a bad review or um, some criticize um, some aspects that they, you know it's a their first novel. So mm-hmm. now that you went through all that, um, what can you tell I, that people? I think one of the people who originally uh, taught me, Matt Tolomary, um and he still teaches, as far as I know, at the Santa Barbara Writers Conference. He gave me some of the best advice about dealing with reviews. And he said the real secret to it, first of all, is don't talk. Reviews and critique is all about listening. So, you know, if you're thinking about arguing and saying, no, that's not right, but or, oh, I'm doing this later, or that's not what I meant, that's not about that. That's not what reviewing is for. It's about listening. And you have to remember that your writing no matter how much of yourself you pour into it, is not you. Mm-hmm. And that really has stuck with me and served me well the entire time of just understanding that even if someone absolutely hates what I've written, it doesn't actually reflect in any way on me. It's not that they hate me. It's that the piece of writing that is before them isn't doing what I want to do for them. Mm-hmm. And that sort of distance, I think, is really what you have to learn and pick out. And it not only prepares you to deal with the critique, it's deal, it equips you to deal with very tough critique. As long as you can keep in your mind, it's not me. This is not me. It doesn't matter that I've worked on this forever. It's just not me. It's 
It's, it's a piece that I created. It's entirely separate. And yes, I worked very hard on it. I did a lot with it. But this will help, and that's all I need. And that's all I need from it. I just have to take it and decide what to do with it. Mm-hmm. That That is my best piece of advice. You know, it's a very good advice um, because sometimes we do forget that a review, it is, after all, an opinion. Right. And nothing that is said can make it um, universal for every reader. So right. it could be just one reader or if there could be something there that might help you or enlighten you and mm-hmm. that you consider and then you decide to change and follow through. And there's some other ones like, no, I this is how I want it, and this is really what you know I want to convey, and and then you leave it, and right. um, it it is true. I remember in my critics group, I would tell them, make me cry, come on, I dare you, <laughs> <laughs> and it never happened. But we, yeah, there were people that would cry, and it, I felt so bad. <laughs> but the more uh, they tried, the better I got as a writer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a yeah, but it it is it is revealing um, to talk to an author um, on my end of the coin because I'm in both sides and um, I really really think that um, your your brain is in the right place as an author and after seeing you know the review on your first book and I'm gonna read the book as well because I love urban oh, fantasy you. and it sounds really interested. Um, it's good to see that um, you know. The first novel is not easy to get um, notice and, of course, not get a, a good review. So we really wish you the best with it because it is a good product. And Thank um, you very much. Readers, um, again, we, we've we been talking to Ivan Mishkin, and his book is The Hidden and the Maiden. It's an urban fantasy, and you can check him out and his books at www.evenmishkin.com, and that is E-B-E-N-M-I-S-H-K-I-N.com. And I would suggest, if you liked um, uh, role-play games, to check out also his um, blog, because I've I've seen a lot of um, reviews on some of them. Uh, And there there were some interesting graphics in his blog as well, um, comic uh, type of uh, strip. So the blog is emptymanuscript.tumblr.com. Um, it's been really great talking to you, even. Um, any works coming up? Um, I'm working on a short story right now, which I'm hoping to get into Circuits and Flippers, which is a online science fiction uh, magazine. And I'm working on the sequel to The Hidden and the Maiden which hopefully I will finish this year. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I look forward to seeing coming out. Um, Thank you so much for being with us. Um, We wish you the best with your first novel and, of course, with um, all your future works coming out. Thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. And to you listeners, again, check it out. The Hitting and the Maiden by Evan Mishkin. Uh, You can go to his website at evenmishkin.com. Thank you so much for being with us, and until next time.